G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 20 Preview Edition as we get towards the very pointy and sharp protruding end of the 2019 AFL season. As with much pleasure that I say very good morning to my co-host, Mark Fine. How are you, Finey? I'm well, Roko. It's a still but cold morning in Melbourne. I reckon it would have snowed had it rained overnight. It was very cold. I got ice on my uh, car on, windscreen oh, yesterday you, morning. I thought you were going to say on your moustache. Now, that's really cold. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, whilst I was trekking through the Antarctic. i got to say, speaking of moustaches, I was sort of flicking the channels yesterday and I saw Allo Allo. Ah, yes, another great uh, English sitcom full of double entendres. And, and Ivan Soldo. Which was, it was just, (laughs) (laughs) what's Ivan doing there? Well, it's just as well, because he might lose his spot on that side. He might need a backup job. (laughs) True. We, I tell you, he's not ever going to lose their position in our team, and that is, of course, Andrew's hamburgers. Of course. Now, these boys, that shop is a, as you know, it's in 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. It's a cultural icon for Please, if you go down there, say you're a footyologist, you love the program, you'll get you'll get looked after. I, I don't, depends who's serving you, of course. If it's one of the rank and file, they won't, they'll say, oh, thanks. But if um, you're lucky enough to get one of the Greggs, one of the principals, I think you might get a can of drink or some well, chips. Well, footyology is becoming synonymous with Andrew's hamburgers to the point where I tweeted out, the podcast the other day, and someone simply responded, Andrew's Hamburgers. Footyology is foodiology at lunchtime down at Andrew's Hamburgers. And where do I go? 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. Albert Park has become a bit gentrified. No, very gentrified. A bit posh. There's Laurent Bakery and there's some ne'er-do-wells sort of getting around there, you know, Lord Spiffington Smythes. Mm. But this is old school Albert Park, South Melbourne. Oh, Eighty years. You wouldn't get a burger like this at the Melbourne Club. That's why he's there. Now, uh, here's another one out of left field for you. Where would I go if I wanted a new house? Well, you could go to one of two places. You mm. could go to Houses or Us, that sort of rank and file, and you'd get Acme, a house. Acme Houses, Correct. like on the Road Runner. Or? Exactly right. You'd get four walls and a roof. Yep. <laughs> but you can get a roof yeah. with Nick Bartels and Hardwick Build Co. And you know, Dyson Heppel, I heard he's training away from the club yeah. in cold, difficult circumstances. It's been a bit crook. Yeah. But I promise you, he goes back. There is something I know about his house. Oh, yeah, look, I've been in it. And it's it's the ultimate in luxury. How'd you break in? I went in with Nick just before, <laughs> before Dyson moved in, yeah. they were doing the finishing touches. Yeah. And there's some did real... you carve your initials somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. They've got those beautiful... The floors are heated. Oh, really? Yeah, there's this thing where you can have slate floors in the bathroom, but the floors are warm. Well, hopefully that's uh, helping heal his uh, foot. genetic foot issues that well, he has. Well, I can tell you this. Don't... You know, people sort of read that article about his Spartan training regime and they must feel very sorry for him. But <laughs> believe you me, when he gets back home... 
it's wall-to-wall luxury. You say Spartan training regime, and I think of someone clad in gladiatorial armour being chased by a lion. I don't. You know what I think of? <laughs> when I think of Spartan training regimes, I think of Percy Serity chasing runners oh, yeah. through dunes. the dunes. Yeah, yeah. That was, those were the days, weren't they? They were the days. All right, we've got a lot to get through. Uh, plenty of news happening. Uh, some interesting Media Watch items. Preview of all the games. Let's not waste any more time. On Footyology Newsfeed. Breaking exclusive week in reveal. All those things we can do here on the Footyology News segment and I shouldn't be cynical about it because there's plenty around this week finally uh, in logistical terms probably the most important the release of the round 23 fixture much anticipated Um, in actual fact no great surprise about any of it if uh, you haven't caught up with it so Essendon will play Collingwood on Friday night in a blockbuster at the MCG and does that mean if there's more than 80,000 it'll be locked in for forever uh, no, probably not. Um, Saturday, we've got uh, Sydney taking on St Kilda at the SCG. North Melbourne playing Melbourne at Blundstone Arena. Geelong, Carlton down at the Cattery is the Saturday Twilight game. The Saturday evening games, Gold Coast v GWS, Battle of the New Kids or whatever they call it. West Coast taking on Hawthorne in Perth, 6.10 local time, 8.10 Eastern Seaboard. Uh, and then uh, what could be a suitably dramatic conclusion on Sunday, obviously, this is why it's been scheduled that way, we have Western Bulldogs taking on Adelaide on Mars, or at Mars, one ten afternoon, Mars being Ballarat, of course. Richmond taking on Brisbane at the MCG, 3.20pm, and the 2019 home and away season, the 198th game of the season is Port Adelaide taking on Frio in Adelaide 4.10 local time. So when you look at it, it all made sense, didn't it? Yeah, probably predictable. Ladder positions may suggest Richmond-Brisbane is the marquee game, but that was never going to usurp Collingwood-Essendon from Friday night, the main stage. Oh, someone did complain to me, why isn't Richmond-Brisbane um, the Friday night game? Well, the scheduling isn't a factor now because we've got the vacant week afterwards yep. and obviously you know it's it's a bit of a no-brainer isn't it in tv and live audience terms Essendon collingwood trumps richmond even, brisbane even i from the egalitarian world of the lower club fan mm. except that collingwood essendon is the right game for friday night um the one interesting thing about Essendon collingwood is there's a very good chance they will end up playing each other in an elimination final uh well not the following week the following Round. Always um, good to see Essendon in an elimination final because Essendon's record in them from the day they were brought in in 1972 has been parlous. Oh, yes, and I've been present at all of them. However, Finey, I do have... uh, There's an omen about this. That um, horrible spell of eliminitis, they called it, was broken in 1983 when Essendon defeated Carlton. And who had they played the previous week in the final home and away game? Carlton. Of course, and beat them. And what happens in this situation? I've seen it happen. Remember Melbourne and Hawthorne in 1990, the side that... Uh, loses that yeah. last home and away game. Everyone goes, oh, they're just foxing, and then they come out and they repeat lose, the yeah. dose. Actually, yeah. I just they, thought of one where that didn't happen. 2001, Richmond Essen and Richmond beat they were Essendon foxing. in the last game, and yeah. then they were foxing. Anyway. Um, oh, they were. Essendon were foxing. Richmond yeah, were. well, Essendon smashed them in the qualifying. 
Uh, Sunday is a pretty decent finish ahead, though, isn't it? Bulldogs, Adelaide, uh, at the moment, every chance that's going to be a battle for eighth spot. Yep. Uh, Richmond, Brisbane could be top four riding on that. And then, yeah, depending if they can get their asses into gear, Port and Frio do reckon, might have something to play Do you reckon for. Port and Frio cop a real hiding there at the end of the season in ignominy mm. that the whole team and associated coaching staff, Bar Ross Lyon, sneak off and just leave him halfway back home? <laughs> it's a tough decision to make. Well, it's interesting you brought that up because uh, having talked about Round 23, another news story that's just emerged in the last day or so concerns their coach, Ross Lyon, and an estranged player, Shane Kirsten, who apparently wants out now. Well, every chance he was going to be delisted anyway, to be honest. Um, but he's had a major falling out with the coach, apparently, over the Lockie Neal situation. So Freo desperate to keep Lockie Neal, uh, and it appears like Ross, in a sort of last-ditch bid, said, uh, oh, we'll get rid of Shane Kirsten to keep um, Lockie Neal. And I don't think Shane Kirsten was too happy about that. Shane Kirsten adds his name to a list of pop gun mid to taller forwards that have gone to other clubs and disappeared without trace because they just absolutely didn't cut it. So I'm thinking Charlie Gardner. Yes. Henry Playfair. Yes. St Kilda got another one when they got Charlie Gardner. I can't even remember who it was. Oh, yeah, I know you mean. Um, from Geelong. Yeah. Mid-sized. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, they're all it'll from come, It'll come to me. Um the one from who was the one who played for Richmond? The really accurate kick. Uh, Brett Evans. No, no, no. He, he played from for, who? He played for Richmond and Geelong, and I reckon one other club. And he was a he had one good year where he, but he just never got the ball. I'm thinking of the redhead Craig Bitterscombe, but no, 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 no. It'll come to me. Um, just on Shane Kirsten. Yes. The interesting thing about him is, uh, you know, who absolutely loved Shane Kirsten. And used to... His like, mother? Well, every time I talk footy with this guy, he pumped him. Their coach, Chris Scott. He was a really? Ma- yeah, he was a massive fan. Massive mm. fan. Oh, of course, Menzel now. Yeah. Is a failed recruiter. I suppose Kirsten's club. issue has been he's sort of that in-between size, isn't he? But... Um, Who did you... get? It was Charlie Gardner and another. And, well, I, what, and I despise them both. Worry about it later. But, yes, I shall. Um... Not middle miss. He's copying it from all sides, uh, Ross Lyon, at the moment, isn't well, he? Well, that's his... It's almost his... Um, Do you think he likes it? Yes. It's almost It's almost his stock in, trade, stock in trade to be backed into a corner mm. by the public, and that's how he gets support from the people that count. At a, you know, it's like... It, the attacks on me are attacks on us and, and the dis- process that we're going through here, and he really... Bunkers down with the right people. You know what's not looking particularly great at the moment? The, uh, in a legacy sense, the Ruse Lion Longmire School of Coaching. Yeah, it's well, looking that, a bit dated, isn't it? Well, you can see there's no rush to John Blakey. There's. I'm glad you mentioned rush because I think I can do something with that later. Okay, Go that, on. There hasn't been a rush to John Blakey. Stuart Dew is from that school, is he not? Uh, well, he was at... Next Generation. Yeah, yeah, no, I guess so. Way. Yeah, okay. Because okay, that jury's out there. Yeah, uh, Ken Hinckley's part of that? 
Yeah, okay. in a way. Right. There, there, no, I'm not. I'm saying we don't have great successes there, and that's why I think that there's a real chance that these three caretaker coaches will be appointed as senior coaches. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I reckon, uh, and in fact, well, that's news. We should talk about it. I think Brett Ratton's odds have shortened pretty dramatically. Um, so they should. I th- it appears like Reese Shaw's just about over the line. People yeah. have sort of stopped talking about it. I just feel that that one needs to be signed sooner rather than later because North might have and, might be coming down the other side now. And and David Teague uh, continues to win five from seven for the Blues. Lost the other two by a kick. And I think I mentioned this on Sunday, but a, a picture of David Teague embracing one of the players and Mark Lajuda saying in the background not looking like the president of a club that had just won a game because I, I really think Carlton don't want to make that decision, but they might simply be forced, forced into forced it. upon them, yep. Um, which is probably a good thing because, you know what, I reckon in a lot of cases clubs making these decisions really know as much about the whole thing as the fans. Oh, honestly, exactly. It's not a committee made up of just well-heeled, powerful fans. Yeah, yeah, oh, after you get the HR consultant to come in and run a sham of a process about, you know, psychological profiles and stuff. HR puffing stuff. <laughs> yes, it is. HR is puffing stuff. Maybe the people that came up with that series were ahead of their time. Um, <laughs> they certainly they were, given that it wasn't what they were smoking wasn't legal then. All right, now uh, some sad news that uh, yeah, really, emerged yesterday. And hang on, let me yeah, come yeah. up with no, it. Very the sad, very passing sad. of John Scarlett Matthews. Father, um, Gunner, John Gunner Scarlett, 72, one of the toughest hombres to play league footy, finally with Geelong, uh, South Melbourne later on, and finished up his career with Geelong West in the VFA. And my preeminent memory of John Scarlett is um, getting in a blue with Coburg's Trevor Price in the 1979 Ooh, VFA Grand Final. That is, that is a... And that was brutal. That John, John Scarlett had the, half his eye ripped out. He is the last person you want to get into yeah. a blue with Trevor Price. Just on Trevor Price, I did the few years back the Coburg team at you know, Hall of Fame, mm. and he was elevated to legend status. And he's a very quietly spoken, grandfather-like figure. And all he said was, well, when I started... I, Cole Kinnear was down at the club and I played one game after a lot of reserves and he said, you play like that next week, you've, you've got a game. Well, that first game I got reported <laughs> for, for striking twice, so I did that for the rest of my career. <laughs> um, so, it John, to work. John Scarlett? Yeah, look, he was, a, he was in a Geelong team that had a reputation for not being so tough. Yeah. He was a... You had to be a hard fullback. Well, they used to call them the handbaggers. Well, they did. And he was surrounded by players that were not weak. But, you know, I, I remember the back line would have had... He would have been a, a Wayne Kloster near him, a, uh, a guy Newham. Um, oh, Ken, uh, John Newham. There was Ken, Ken Newland And Kenny Newlands. The, the reality is... The reality is that the John Scarlets of this world, great that he produced a brilliant fullback... Son certainly do are very rare because you've got Silvani and Sil- isn't it great that Silvani came from a fullback father? Yeah, who was a great tough player, mm. and I reckon he went to South Melbourne on loan. Yeah, well, there was that period in the mid seventies where that was happening a bit, and I, I could be wrong here, but uh, Phil Baker, I'm pretty sure, went from uh, Geelong, North, yeah, Geelong to North. 
on, on a loan deal, or, yeah. or did he go back to Geelong? There was like a mid-season I, th- I think Geelong was the team that loaned people out who just, you know, longed for the city again and had to maybe come to town for supplies. Well, they didn't go to Geelong West with Joe Rodovic and Warwick Yates. Oh, that was a great team. Mark Brown in the yeah. middle. That, that team was, you know, there's, this Stephen is true. Stephen Wells, Geelong That's, recruiting man. And his brother. Yeah, great. And a, a very fast player called was it da- Dallas Watson? He won a, a ah. He won a gift. Yeah. Anyhow, this is true. I know I can't give you the year, but I can check it up. Geelong played Port Melbourne in a famous match of the day in the home and away season. Geelong West. Geelong West. Yeah. Pardon me. Geelong West. Port Melbourne. Down that, Geelong West. Down it with they, a bike track around the yep, ground. The Velodrome. The Roosters played the Borough. Yep. Now on that weekend, Geelong played at home. Yeah. This was in the seventies. Yeah. And Geelong West got a bigger crowd than Geelong, and that is a fact. On the Sunday. On the Sunday yeah. after the Saturday. No, so they, they were that's huge. A, that's, a, that's, a, that's a statement, isn't it? Um, I interviewed John Scarlett. I did a piece about Matthew. This is uh, must have been, I think it was before the 2011 grand final, but I, I interviewed John. And he was, yeah, he was fantastic. He was really engaging and interested and helpful and... Um, yeah, so really uh, sad news. And, and I certainly remember him from my early footy cards. He was a, a mainstay and figured f- in a very funny footy card in 1972 because he was a long-distance shot and it made him look like an inch tall. Because <laughs> yeah, they did. They went the long shot. Yeah, right. And that will be a theme that comes up in the competition later on. And, of course, talking uh, footy cards. for those younger people among you who think footy cards... These were real footy cards, and finally, you know why these were real dumb. footy cards? Because you got two sticks of no, the... No, one, one stick. Oh, it was only one stick. One stick, one stick of the almost concrete-like Scanlon's gum. But, far more importantly, finally, you got a back. picture of the previous year's grand final on the back, which you pieced together. And what... I don't know why, but every year would go from colour to black and white back to colour. So, oh, did it? Yeah. yeah. yeah so the only not, year I got the full set... Uh, had the 72 grand final on the back. So and I had the 71 grand final on the back, and there was a John McIntosh yeah. picture. Yeah, I, I did have that one. Yeah. The um, What was the bubblegum coated in? Because, you see, bubblegum, um, had it got hot, it yeah, got sticky. A white powdery substance, which... It was it was cornflower, cornflower. Yeah, was to make it not stick. Today, if you, there was residue on your fingers, you'd probably be fingerprinted. And oh, it, it, looked like, it looked like for... I remember the first packs I bought were five cents. Yeah. For five cents, you got six cards, yeah. a stick of gum, yeah. and two or three grams of cocaine. <laughs> yeah, Kept the kids going. All right. Uh, there's enough news for this week. Uh, let's get into our next segment. On Footyology Media Watch. Oh, yes. I know what you're thinking. Oh, here we go. Here's a segment where they come on, two old blokes, and just bag the crap out of everyone, and then we get... Emails from young producers at Fox Footy pretending they're just Mr. Joe Public and getting all butt hurt because we had a go at them about sucking up to the uh, former players they work with. Oh no, not this week. Well, no, we know that it's you because the one, the kid that wrote in as Joe Public, you left the L out, and Joe Pubic, we know exactly who you are. Oh, he's lucky he hadn't he. Um, but we're being pretty positive this week, landscape uh, with with one exception. There's been some good. Reporting in the papers this week, finally, and here's a couple of examples. Reportage. Um, can't always say this, but I, I think there's been a few decent stories. Yeah. I thought Mark Robinson's uh, story in the Herald Sun, I think it's in there today, I read it online yesterday, was a good one about Brad Scott and the um, rapidity 
of the uh, change in the coaching landscape, um, Robbo got onto this uh, clause in Brad Scott's contract with North Melbourne where they need to pay him out for the final season of his contract if he doesn't procure another senior coaching job, which means uh, North will be barracking pretty hard for their former coach to get a gig because we're talking in the order of 800 grand. And no, that doesn't go, that goes in the soft cap that operates on football departments. And the way that that operates is if a club exceeds the um, soft cap, they pay 100% um, tax on everything that's above the cap. Mm. So it was a good get by Robert, I yeah, thought. No, very good. And it it's shows the importance of for coaches or why they so dearly want to get con- contracts that give them some job security mm. because I think he'll be left out in the cold. But, uh, it, but it certainly is a buffer against um uh, you know, it'll keep the it'll keep the wolf from the door. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, I mean Essendon famously did this, uh, what, twice in a row. Paid out Matthew Knights for an extra year on his contract. Oh, St Kilda have been paying out coaches. Heard. We're going to talk about Scott Waters in a minute. St Kilda have been paying out coaches. I can't remember the last coach that, you know, worked, Served it, worked his, his contract. <laughs> Alan Killigrew? <laughs> Alan Jeans. Uh, Alan Richardson. We've had a lot of Alans, haven't we? Actually, it might be Alan Jeans. Who, uh, post-Jeans, which coaches actually... Oh, saw out their whole contracts. Maybe. Graham Jelly? Ma- yeah, the worst of the worst, Graham Jelly. Wonderful player. Mm. Couldn't coach a choco vine over a back fence. A choco vine, okay. That's expensive. He couldn't coach a... He couldn't train a choco vine. Sorry, he couldn't train... For people who can't train dogs or horses, he couldn't train a choco vine over a back fence. Um, so, North... Uh, this has put North in a bit of a pickle, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, no one cares because in the past that would have been a big story for ramifications for North. But if it all f- if it all goes pear-shaped and they have to pay him 800000 and they don't have the 800000 you know what they have to do? Dole 1-800-GILL-FIX-A-LOT and he'll pay that healthy bill. Incidentally, talking about Gill, you see the uh, in the thrilling final couple of minutes at the Gold Coast Essendon game last Sunday, there was a, a camera pan to Gill sitting in the stands, and he looked the most miserable, forlorn oh, figure he'd I've been, ever he, seen. Because he pus the whole round, because I'd seen him at Melbourne Essendon. He was definitely at Melbourne St Kilda. He was definitely at Melbourne St Kilda. Right. Oh, which was Saturday night. Rooting yeah. his heart out. Don't. Um... For St Kilda. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, was... but there was an obvious deliberate double entendre. There. No, I swear there wasn't. Okay. But I don't, we oh. don't say, we don't call it rooting. We call it barracking. Oh, yeah, that's old old hat, mate. Okay. I've been reading for years. Uh, for there's another one. There's someone who's, um, every time we do you do one of those yeah. double entendres, I get a, a crappy email from someone citing Bible passages and stuff. So, please, stop. I, I am... I am Cognizant of people's religious beliefs, and okay. to you people, I apologise. Okay, good. Respectfully, seriously. Yeah, good. Um, all right, so that was a, st- a good story number one. Now, uh, here's another pat on the back for the Herald Sun. I think their sacked uh, podcast series, where they've had long-form interviews with a whole range of coaches who were sacked, um, that's a sort of... You know, like footy journalism's had to change because there's not as many news stories around. The flow of information is more controlled. Clubs are publishing their own 
news stuff on their own outlets, so it's harder to get decent stories. In lieu of that, I think this sacked um, series has been is the sort of stuff that footy journalists should be doing, and it's been it's been really good. And what they've done, and it's very clever, it's been promoted well too, which doesn't always happen, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. But they've managed to get. Yeah, news, you know, valid news stories out of what these guys have been saying. Mm-hmm. And they've really ramped it up with the latest one, which is Scott Waters, talking about his time at St Kilda. And I think I counted at least four news stories that came out of the Waters podcast, and they were all really interesting stories. Um, there was one who's having a go about uh, the AFL's hypocrisy on gambling. Um, there was one where he talked about his role as an assistant coach at Collingwood and how he should have moved Ben Reid off a rampaging Tom Hawkins a lot sooner than he did. Um, but the main one, obviously, was about the you know the what happened to him at St Kilda and the quote-unquote culture when he arrived. And he had a few comments about how uh, the culture there was stuffed. Um, there were play- contractual arrangements with players that saw them paid, uh, but, you know, reasonable size bonuses for decent finishes in the best and fairest. They were told they couldn't up um, Zach Dawson's money. He wanted an extra 35 grand or something, but there was a freeze on all payments because they had salary cap issues. Uh, He was talking about how Derek Hine at Collingwood warned him about going to St Kilda because in demographic terms, their list was stuffed. Uh, and, you know, it was sort of a bit of a tale of woe, but he did allude quite a bit to cultural issues at the club, and that produced a unusually animated response from Nick Dal Santos, usually very measured Dal, um, but he fired up on this one said, well, hang on a sec, you know, we played in final series like six out of seven years or something in that era, you know, we nearly won two flags, uh, we had two... Uh, outstanding leaders in Lenny Hayes and Nick Rewald. I don't think there were too many problems with the culture. So I found all that a bit interesting. What do you think? Scott Waters talking about the culture of the club and Zach Dawson's contract and back-ended contracts is akin to the captain of the Titanic as the ship is actually going down, observing that the cleaning staff hadn't done a particularly good job on the handrails. Who was the captain of the Titanic? Oh, he's got a name like Wood or something. I don't know. I don't know. A fairly normal name. Did he get much of a star billing alongside DiCaprio and Winslet? He got a rather chilly end. Yeah, well, they all did. I could, and this won't do the listeners any good because at the moment I'm not willing to publicly, but if you ever catch me somewhere, I will certainly. Oh, I was Edward Smith, yeah. Ed? Ted Smith. Yeah, Teddy. Okay. You know what his nickname was? No. Old sneak past the iceberg, Smith. I can, you know, I, I can get that parking spot, Smith. I can fit in that. Yeah. No problems. Oh, shit, I, I missed the my, my, my bad. That's the first time the term my bad was used, by the way. So I could sit here and honestly, if I, if I told in the next half hour, if I explained some of the things that happened under Scott Waters at St Kilda, it would be such an out, amazing revelation, such extraordinary behaviour by a an individual at a football club that people would either question whether it was true, but all of it would be true, but I'm not willing to do it. 
Have you got stage. one sort of relatively mild example? None of them are mild. All right, do you want to hear one example? All right. Um, he he, Scott Waters had a had a huge problem. He felt being accepted by the players. Yeah, and felt that there was, and he was right. Felt that there was love for Lyon and not much love for him. Mm. He also had an unfortunate nickname based on his appearance, and that would come back to plague the club at a post-season breakup later. That nickname was the Dwarf. Ah, uh, yes. Now, Brendan Goddard was in his first year at Essendon appearing on the footy show when one of the panel members asked him about Scott Waters. Mm. He said, oh, the Dwarf, and then said a few things about it. And Scott hated that nickname, fair enough. Next day, he arrived at training, and there was a bit of stinkering and laughing among the boys. You see BJ, whatever, whatever. And he stood in front of the players, and he said, and I can't use the term that he used to describe Goddard, and he said, I facilitated his move to Essendon. I, you know, we made sure I did everything right by him. And he goes and shames me on public TV. As far as I'm concerned, he is black banned, and any mention of him is black banned at this club. And I believe from that point on you were not allowed to mention his name in front of the coach. So it was like Voldemort. Something like he that. Who, he who cannot and be That known. was a very mild version of some of the um, sort of paranoia and the steps that he took. Do okay. you want to hear one other one? Well hang on well, did that have anything to do then with the subsequent end of season Oh yeah absolutely. Prank? He was not invited to that end of season breakup. And is that why and they, they said that's why they said had, Well that's why they had um, a dwarf or two there to be in his stead and as they got a bit merry they showed how much respect they had for him by you know if that's Scotty Waters let's set fire to him Incidentally that was one of the cultural aspects of the club that Nick Del Santo conceded probably he would change Setting fire to Yeah well, he said the they, next time we burn a coach in effigy, we'll do it in paper, not in person. He said they needed to grow up a bit. Well, yeah. of course, they should have gone to the um, Middle Eastern University of effigy burning. Yeah, correct. Well, you don't use real people. Um, okay, one more quick. Okay, well, this is one that um, might shock people. But th- again, these are mild. I've got much worse ones. Um, he gathered the team at the end of what would be his last season, thinking that he was going on. Scott was very big on going to the media with versions of the future that weren't quite true, hoping that that would, you know, be a self-fulfilling prophecy. So he made it public that things were going well and he was getting a two-year contract extension. That was not the case. But in order to behave like that, he began preparing for the next season. And he called together a a small group of um, his assistant coaches who were left, who hadn't walked out on him, including Aaron Hamill and maybe Andrew Thompson was there, I think, possibly, and um, Adam Kingsley. And this might shock St Kilda fans. He said, I don't want Nick Rewald as captain next year. Under no circumstances is he to captain the club. He undermines me and it's we're moving on. And like, whoa. And he said, I want a um, multi-captain you know, I want a, number, a, a collection of captains mm. next season. And Aaron Hamill said, "Mate, that doesn't work. We tried that when I came to the club. It just, it's not, it doesn't work." And he 
launched into Hamilton saying, well, yeah, we saw how far the club went under when you were here. Actually, went quite close, went to a preliminary final and sort of gone better. But he then put up some names. David Armitage, who at the time would have been a decent choice. But then an extraordinary selection came from just... they, The people in the room looked at each other like, what?! But it turned out to be one of the only players at the club by the end of his tenure, which was coming shortly, that actually supported him, really supported him. Uh, You'll never pick him. Most people can't even remember he played for the club. Kane Ackland. No, no, no. Most people cannot remember this person played for St Kilda. They couldn't even describe him. Such, But he wanted him to be a co-captain, I believe. I believe, allegedly. Okay, who was it? Tom Lee. Oh, the Western Australian. Was he no, Western Australian? South Australia. I think. Oh, West Australian, maybe. West Australian. Jesus. Half forward, yeah. centre half forward. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Tom Lee. Well, there's one out of left field. Yeah, there you go. Okay, no, they're interesting anecdotes. I've got or, ten more of them. All right, they get well, worse. We might do one a week, um, but we've got to move on. Okay. And uh, positive media watch observation number three. Um, and this was one you pointed out to me, and it concerns someone we've been critical of in the past, but also praised uh, in several respects as well, and we speak about Caroline Wilson. Yeah, look, Caroline Wilson is one of many journos who's come out in the last two weeks, and given her take on the future of uh, coaches. Now, she has claimed that Don Pike does not have the support of the players, and there is a there are rumblings there, but he's been given the tick by the club because of the cost it would be involved to replace him, mainly. But she added to that with a with a, quite a, an extraordinary claim that in fact there is a player movement there that they sh- the players want David Teague. He spent a year, I think, at Adelaide. Uh, he's well considered, and, and they really there's a player push for Teague now. I followed this in social media, went to Big Footy and other places where this article was written and commented on. And unlike some of the younger journos who'd flown kites in recent weeks, hers. Her comments were taken with, um, you know, earnest regard by the footy fans. And I thought to myself, whether they whether they prove to be correct or whether or not they are similar to what young journos were doing, maybe it was a flight, quite flying exercise. But full credit to Caro, because I realised she actually has cachet. She, she has the respect of the football fan. Many of these fans would be the same ones that, damn her to hell when attacking one of their players, as I do for off-field indiscretions, because I think it's um, beyond football coverage. But over the years, her mail has proven to be pretty strong. She had a good ear with the Andrew Dimitriou regime, and her word was taken far more seriously than anybody else's. So my overview was Caroline Wilson might not be a liked journalist or loved, but she is highly respected, and I think that's all you can ask for. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And, I mean, a good example of that, I think, is with the Essendon drug saga that, um, you know, people who had previously disavowed her because they'd had to go at their club started sort of championing her uh, cause, you know, in in what she wrote about Essendon. She was an operatic of the AFL during that. 
not yeah, uh, just as Robbo was an operatic of heard to, to a point, and you know, like half the, the the battle in terms of news breaking, whatever is having uh, sources and and confidants. So yeah. um, again, now look, and I've said I've said this repeatedly. I mean, we we obviously had our differences, and we have. I think that you know my differences with her have usually been more philosophical about what interests us than personalities as such Um, but I've always said you know even that aside that as a as a news breaker and a gatherer of information and with a capacity to break news she has no peer like she's been excellent she's been justly rewarded for that I've I've always felt the main impediment to her getting over more respect is her title of of at one point she football writer her position on TV programs talking about the footy. I think she should be known as a football affairs writer yeah. and just corner that market. Yeah, well, that, I've spoken about that too. I mean, that was 20 years ago and, you know, those sort of titles are a, a real anachronism. Incidentally, just on Caro, there was a there is a strong whisper around in media circles that uh, Channel 7 are very interested in acquiring her services as part of their footy coverage in a news-breaking role. Which um, I've got to say appeals to me as an idea, if only because it would, you know, be them sort of starting to take the caper seriously. You know, uh, if you if you want serious news breaking, you you go to Caroline Wilson. Yep, no, here here. I, right. I know we're done. I, no, no, we've got one more to talk. Oh, because I'm just going to yeah. finish with a, a piece of news that we forgot that is important. What's that? I'll, I could, I'll do it very quickly. Just news this week through the AFL contacting Luke Hodge. They'll allow it, but just all players on warning now, you can't squeeze an old mate's dick during the game anymore. They, they, you know, that penis squishing is was allowed, but they've said, you know, it's it's don't do it again. Or maybe you get one one strike at it. Okay. One go. One one I thought it was testes rather than um Oh, you know, a handful of twig and berries. But if you're good mates, you could do it once. Mm. Well, Simon and Justin Madden uh Famously yeah. uh, came to groups. I, I think the rule should be, if you do it once, then it, unless you take that person out on a date afterwards, yep. it has to end there. All right. I'm, I'm glad you... Um, oh, well, the AFL, <laughs> the AFL made it official, so we should. All right. And uh, final item on the Media Watch agenda this week. And so we've given a few bouquets out, one brick bat. We go on about this all the time, Fanny. I tweeted about this the other night and had a huge supportive response and it was the reporting of Eddie Maguire's uh, plan about um, revamping the look of umpiring and uh, yeah it wasn't even about how they operate really it was just about the the look and, and having what was it a um, oh, what, the, NFL type rotating umpires oh, in long, rot- in long pants rotating umpires why did they have to wear long pants well because the Yanks do it they had to wear black and white uh, funnily enough, black and white vertical stripes. Um, and it came with a digitalised image of Ray Chamberlain on the back page of the Herald Sun because, of course, he's the only recognisable umpire. But I don't think... I Actually, now I think about it, I don't think the entire article even mentioned, well, what about when they're umpiring Collingwood games and the umpires are wearing black and white stripes, which meant that 250 of the 300 responses I got to that tweet all said, well, that, that'll just make it official then. 
Yeah, that's right. Because Collingwood, it did. A, <laughs> it's they, so, but well, there were figures, the there were the figures during the week that yeah. Collingwood uh, on differentials is getting the best run from the umpires. This yeah, Collingwood. That, on the back page, they didn't go black and white, but it's a thought bubble. It's a thought bubble that becomes a story. Or, or brain fart, yes. And we see this increasingly, and it's always from the same collection of a dozen people who uh, are part of the uh, the club, uh, which appears variously in club administrative roles uh, as part of the electronic media Um a kooky idea, but not Ed, Eddie's kookiest. And of course, it's a big circle jerk. Well, hang on, just before you yeah. he tell us he's he's quirkiest. I mean, this is the sort of stuff we, the football media needs to get away from. I mean, it, at some point, media organisations have to go. Yeah, okay. Well, this will obviously attract attention, but it's it's rubbish. We know it's rubbish. It's got Hades hoping Hades chance of ever getting up. So let's not do it. Um, and and pigs will. Pigs will fly I, one I day. wonder, it's, have we got a talking head out there, a football person who's taken really seriously, like a Nick Rewalk? Because, you know, if he said something, it would be become a news story. Could we get somebody like that to just test the waters? What is the most ridiculous thing somebody could say that would not be a news story? Like, I, I really believe that we should now consider putting one chimpanzee on every list. Yeah. Would they write it up? Well, and even someone like Nick Rewalt, they find him. This is what I'm getting at. It's part of this enormous circle jerk where you just have other media outlets quoting someone yeah, who appeared on another media but I just outlet. Want to know if a, if a person get out of the bubble. If if a person in that circle, what's the most ridiculous thing they could say before the world would say, "Look, we can't report that. That's just stupid." Because uh, because Eddie. This is not the most outlandish thing Eddie has come up with. And his previous also was Backpage News a few years ago. What was that? He thought that the best way for the league to go forward in in grounds was to build an identical replica of the MCG, mm. but half the size grandstands directly next to the MCG. So you'd have the 100,000-seater MCG and an identical replica, except the stands would be smaller, 50,000. And then I thought, well, they've got the land. Why wouldn't they then do a 25,000 identical and a 12,000 and they could store them inside each other like a babushka doll mm. during the cricket season? That reminds oh. That makes me think of those. Um, he was it, serious with it, the first two, though. Is it Woolworths or Coles that are selling those little collectibles? You know, the, Both. You can get the... How stupid is that? Well, my, kid, my daughter liked the mini store, the first lot. This one's not so good. She tried to what open do you the do pr- with it? You put it in a little collector thing. People collect things, mate. (laughs) Or you can go to Woolworths and get Ushies, which are mini characters from The Lion King. Uh, Or you can do what you do. What's that? Collect 150 unopened copies of The Age and store them in the back of your car. (laughs) They're all collectibles, aren't they, mate? It's true. Why have you got that? And, and what 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 Fonny's saying here, everyone, is absolutely true. Well, because the age when I left tried to cut off my subscription, and I said, "Yeah, okay, fair enough." And and um and then it just kept coming, and every day I get the copy of the paper on my driveway. So as I'm going out, I see it. I I pick it up, open my car, and throw it in the back seat. You know what would be I've funny? I've now got about a month's worth in the back. It's full of newspapers. You could 
you could be having a dart, accidentally go to, you know, toss it, and it flows through the back window, and you'd have a car fire, and the fire brigade would turn up, and they were, careful, careful, it could have exploded any minute. They go, hang on, no, it's a paper fire. <laughs> Why is there a bonfire in the... That's like a, a paper fire is completely different. Well, you're talking to someone who whose previous car started... Uh, growing grass out of the back window. I've never seen that before. His previous car had uh, it started growing. There was grass really growing did. there. There which, really was. Which made me think that had he left it, he would have been able to have the first, you know, not drop-in pitch, but drive-in yeah. pitch. Yeah. You could have just driven your car. Well, I, could have, I was thinking I could grow grass all over it and then there is go, a grass car. go out distributing how to vote cards for the Greens You know or there something. is a grass car. Is there? Yeah, there was a grass car completely covered in lawn for one of those lawn companies. Okay. I think um, the current discussion is proof that this segment has run its course. Do you know what happened to that car? Oh, hurry up. The, Which... guy, the guy turfed it. <laughs> Very good. All right, let's preview some games. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Radio round 20 kicks off at Marvel Stadium Friday evening, 7.50pm, North Melbourne, Taking on Hawthorne, both these sides have mathematical chances of making the eight, but really we know it's not going to happen. Um, the most significant uh, attached to this game finally is, of course, Sean Burgoyne's breaking of the record for most games played by an Indigenous player, and uh, Burgoyne overtakes Adam Goods in playing his 300 and 73rd game. And there's a wonderful video, actually, Hawthorne have done. Uh, it's on Twitter or on their website if you want to see it. And uh, Sean, or Silk, as he's universally known, was doing a um, video thing at the MCG. And his wife, Amy, had... Uh, I think it's Amy... Uh, had secretly organised a huge collection of um, great... Indigenous players, some of whom flew from interstate to gather there and to uh, offer their congratulations to him. And it was a really well done, very moving video, actually. So please have a look at it. Do we tread a sort of fine line in these highly politically correct times by featuring or making a point of somebody's ethnicity or skin colour in terms of games records, or oh, no, I, I don't. No, for example, I, do we? I don't think so. Do we? Do we celebrate? Um, who's the Who's the Caucasian games record holder yeah, at Sydney? But the obvious explanation for that finding is that you know ninety percent of players in football history have been Caucasian. So, I'm saying, but at Sydney, the games record is held by an Indigenous player. Mm. Do we know? Is there any? Yeah, his um, name's Adam Goods. Yeah, I'm saying so. Who's the Caucasian games record holder? Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just saying that no. it's it's these politically charged times, and I'm the, you know why I say that's it? like men who say, "Oh, when's International Men's Day?" and there is one. Okay, that's like every day's every day's Children's Day. Well, there's Fathers and Mothers Day. There, that's a, a, a more homely version of that. The reason I'm saying it is, I really think now more than ever, footballers are footballers are footballers, and there's. The the game is there for all to play. It's just I, I love I I have no problems with it. I'm saying that there are people uh, who are so dotting I cross T politically correct and been hammered with this thing 
that you'll get the reverse question asked by some football fans. I'm just I don't think it. I don't think you will in this case because Sean is universally revered. I've so never, that's bad. So it's I've, it's if it was a player, if it was goods breaking. Sean's oh, record, there, there would it would be. have been brought up. Oh, absolutely. So that, that's why this thing is, is is a little bit fraught with danger. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Just tread carefully. Yeah, I, I no, I, well, have a look at this video, and, and if you have problems with that, well, yep. I can't understand it. Okay. Um, all right, this game, uh, but, uh, what, what do we need to talk about here? Well, Magic Door, any chance of him coming back, obviously, sadly, won't happen. Door shot on Magic's return. It is for the season. Actually, another guy there has had a horror uh, first season with the club, Dom Tyson. Talk about forgotten man. Yeah, I don't think he'd be in the team. Um, Scott Thompson should be back, I think. Sean Atley has to pass a fitness test. What fitness test do you do on a ruptured testicle? I don't know. Um, yes, a, 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 a gentle one. Yep. Um, it's right to go, he says. For the Hawks, Thompson's wife. <laughs> uh, Tim O'Brien was a late withdrawal last week. I think he'll be back. And he played pretty well the week before, too. Kicked yep. three, so probably should back, come back. Um, who wins this one? I'm going to tip North Melbourne because I'd like to think, apart from that showing at Subiaco, there has been a real turn in recent weeks under Reece Shaw. If they lost this game and they didn't put up a good showing, then you'd have to say, well, maybe the magic is rubbing off. But from what I saw prior to the West Coast game, and I don't like North over in Perth ever, they've got just a little bit too much physical strength through the midfield. Hawthorne really hang on by their fingernails in the midfield at the moment. Henderson's getting tired. His best football seems to have been played already. Big ass for O'Meara. Too much physical strength in the middle for North. They'll win. Uh, I think you're right, and I think that's the right reason. I think Hawthorne's midfield is... We always knew it was going to be stretched thin, but that's the way it's panned out, and it's looking thinner the longer the season goes on. James Warple been terrific. Uh, O'Meara's been very solid, but... Can I say, I don't think Warple's been terrific. Now, I know his numbers have been good, Mm. The top three midfielders at every club are going to share 90 possessions. It's, it's just how it is. In the context of a second-year AFL player, I think yeah. he's been The fact terrific. that he's been able to step up and be part of that three is very good on his – it's yeah. a good effort. But yeah. once you're in the top three in the midfield, you're going to get those numbers. Yeah. Um, I, I think North will win too, and uh, uh, probably a, as big a reason as any, I think they play this ground pretty well. And I think they play better than the Hawks do. So we're both. They've got a bit of firepower, don't they? I can't say. Hawthorne really laboured to get scores on the board a bit. Uh, They have been, yeah. All right. So North for both of us. Yep. All right. Saturday afternoon, back at the same venue. It is Essendon taking on Port Adelaide, 1.45 p.m. Of course, the Bombers, five wins in a row now and got out of jail again. Uh, in the last minute up at Metricon Stadium. Port Adelaide have now lost three in a row and uh, their finals chances hanging by a very, very slender thread. Uh, in terms of personnel, uh, Tom Bell Chambers still a couple of weeks away at least for the Bombers. Uh, still very big ifs on two blokes, Skipper Dyson Heppel and Orazio Fantasia, who has a hip injury and who, to be honest, hadn't been in great form even prior to that. So they'll sweat on them. Um, but got getting the job done, even without key personnel, the Bombers, they've shown a real 
uh, resilient streak, which I think um, hadn't been present for some time. Port, yeah, they're looking pretty ordinary, to be honest. Uh, I think there's a chance Ollie Wines could come back from his broken thumb, thumb which would be very important. But... Um, Look, on form, it'd be pretty hard to tip him, but I still have that thing in the back of my mind, finally, with Port, that, you know, one day it clicks and they come out and look the goods. Not this day. Uh, Their young players are just, I think, starting to feel the effects of a long first season in the game. Incidentally, someone asked me yesterday on a Q&A I do for Sporting News who's had the best crop of draftees, and I, I went right through it. And yes, Sam Walsh has been the standout, but in terms of a group, Port are miles ahead. Very now, good. here's the incredible stat. Uh, Rosie, um, whole whole lotter, everyone knows. Yeah. and um, That's a whole lot of Rosie. Dersma. Everyone knows it's Butters. Yeah, we haven't played it for ages. but yeah, we're, we're not going to play it Okay, now. we'll hold off again. Those three um, have played 52 of a possible 54 games. Yeah, it's, it, that is it, incredible. It's great, and the future for that group is excellent. It's funny because they've got a collection of older players who really are not finishing their careers with much flash. Yeah. So they've got worries at the top end, but bright futures at the bottom. So you don't think Port can pull one out? A, I don't think they can pull it out. B, it, Essendon have got to win this game from you know with, with more control and more um, authority than these last few weeks. Otherwise, their time in the finals will be one week only they're not going to be able to I'm play. To that. They're not going to be able to play comeback footy against good teams in the mm. in the eight. They, no, no, this agree. is a game that they should lead most of the afternoon. All right, so we're both going for the Bombers there with well, a watch on how they win. Next game at Giant Stadium, two ten p.m. GWS v Sydney, Battle of the uh, Bridge, or no, what? A, I, I love these games. Every now and then you get a game, Rowan, that is absolutely the escalators, you know when you meet your partner at the shopping centre? I'll meet you at Dunkin' Donuts or I'll meet, you, I'll meet you at Rebel Sport and you don't know where it is and she doesn't know where it is and at one point in what would be a scene in a rom-com, you're going up the escalator and she's going down. Oh, I'll, 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 hang on. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Oh, so you're saying GWS are ascending and the swans they, they are descending? Wait. Yeah. See, so yeah, just a quick, there'll just be a quick passing here because mm. these two teams for the next couple of years are going the opposite direction. So yeah. Sydney's southbound, and GWS, are, they're a good team. Yeah, they're a good team. I don't reckon they're Not a great, great team. Okay. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That was, that was a really important win, funnily enough, against Port, who have just talked down. But just to hang on the way they did and last prevail by a point. Last two weeks have been sort of impressed me with their... Two of Grit. their last, yeah, two, two of their last wins. The last two wins have well, been. They've had some gritty wins. They beat Geelong at Geelong uh, early in the season, but so. it didn't stand up, did it? Because then they they fouled their nest with a couple of disappointments, and, and that's that's still a concern for me. Um, Taylor has a hamstring; he'll probably be missing for well until the final. And so that's surprisingly important. Yeah, yeah, he's become like that very quickly. Yep. Um, Delidio will come back, I reckon. Yeah, uh, yes, he should be okay. Adam Kennedy too, if so required. He had a heart condition. Yeah, he did. Didn't seem. Any... Now you're an expert in such matters because it was an irregular or. Oh, you... it was arrhythmia, was it? I yeah, okay. So. Yeah, no, is it something that you've suffered? From? Correct. I I suffer from arrhythmia and thus had a defibrillator 
implanted. They're um, such a music family. He's even got drums in his body. <laughs> yeah. Not activated all that often, fortunately. Um, Sydney, yeah, just going, aren't they? Yeah. No, they're, they're, they're always waiting for one game for Buddy to play 300th. Yeah. It'll be the last game against St Kilda. That's right. That was ages ago. Was How many has yeah. he missed now? About five or six? Yeah. It was a very minor, minor, minor hamstring injury, remember? Yeah. I'm having trouble even remembering what they did last week, what they do last week. So uh, Sydney was equal till at half time. Oh, at Geelong, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they actually led in the first half, and then yeah. they just didn't fire a shot. They do look very, they look as pedestrian as they've looked for a long time. They have got some good kids coming through. Um, they're going to have issues there at the top end. You know, I was having a look at their list the other day. And, you know, they're still... Kurt Tippett's still officially on yeah, their list. Right. Uh, Heath Grundy's already retired. Yeah. Um, Tony but, Franklin. But the two that are going to hurt him... <laughs> the two that are going to hurt him, and for the, the younger amongst you, Tony Franklin was a South Melbourne player of the 1970s. A lumbering Brian Woodman type. Uh, Brian Woodman type. Um, the two that are really going to hurt him are Buddy Franklin, Tony's brother, <laughs> And um, Josh Kennedy. I mean, they're you know, they're, they're, there's no one who's stepped up to an appropriate level to replace them. I don't think is Rampy. Rampy's in doubt. Uh, yeah, yeah that's right. He, he got, got he got Falcon, didn't he? Yeah, and he wasn't concussed. The actual point of the ball has damaged his eye. Yeah, which it's almost. I'm not saying it's karma, but when you do silly things all season, as he has done. He might be out with one of the sillier injuries of well, that's the season. Well, ha- that's happened twice uh, in the same round because Jordan Ruffhead uh, was concussed yeah, by but, a Falcon. Yeah, but it wasn't his fault because, you know, Beveridge had him playing in the wrong position. Oh, yeah, that's right. He thought, he thought like <laughs> Beveridge was still coaching him. Uh, he's a lovely guy, Jordan. <laughs> you must really be in, in la-la land if you walk off. I told you my Jordan Ruffhead connection, didn't I? Well, you, you, your cop your this, own head. Cop this for an obscure link. Uh, Jordan Roughhead yeah. is the fiance of my partner's ex's fiance's sister. I can't believe you can even remember such a lineage. <laughs> Think it through. Does that so? My is that a quiz? Is that a riddle? <laughs> no, your my, uncle. It's you. <laughs> Hang on. The answer is. It's oh, that's you. right. What was that? My father's, I'm my father's brother. Uh, no, Hang, don't do that. Hang don't, on. Don't it can't be Jordan Ruff. The bus driver is. <laughs> I'm uh, driving a bus. I'm going to say it again. See, yeah. if, see if you can work this Rubik's cube uh, or what's yeah. it called? Six degrees of separation. Yeah, yeah. My ex, my now I'm confused. My partner's ex, yeah, his current fiance, yes, her sister, yes, her fiance is yes. Jordan Ruffhead. Why is no one getting married here? <laughs> why, why the delay? That's a really good point. Uh, but how long have you known this as a fact with without it being updated to to husband and wife? Oh. Yeah, long enough, five years. No, well, Bridget, actually, uh, Jordan's fiance, Bridget, um, uh, she's a journo who worked at the Herald Sun. She works at 3RW, uh, used to. Do you want to know my Jordan Ruffhead connection? What is it? Jordan Ruffhead basically came in the team to replace sort of Tom Williams, who's my mortgage broker. Well, there you go. That's only two degrees of separation. Yeah, I mean, actually, Tom Williams. He's on Twitter a bit. I've seen Tom's yeah, a, work well, on Twitter. He's a lovely guy. Yeah, okay. Uh, oh Christ, let's get on with it. Don't um, defame you, Tom. Me off for alienating our religious listeners. I just said Christ. It's not defaming him. 
just uttered his name. Um, For those of you who, f- who follow Christ, I apologise. All right. What number does he wear? I don't know. <laughs> I put him on the back of my duffel coat. <laughs> right. that. Jesus Christ. Next. What number would he be? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, what's the holy number? That's a really good question. Is there a holy number? There's a, there is in, in Judaism. Well, it's, it's 18. 18? Paul Vanderhaar. Rance. But in, in Judaism, just because every number has a letter equivalent, yeah. the number 18 is equal to the word that means life. Yeah, okay. Well, That's why it's actually, you might see pendants on Jewish people that look a little bit like an elephant. It's called a high. They're two Jewish letters that actually mean life. Oh, there we go. Apparently the Christian number is 888, which is just down the road from 666. Yeah, I'm saying, you'd go with Jesus Christ, 888. That's not that. That's, that's the They're number. like the two neighbours that, that are that always lounge, feuding. Isn't 888 Lounge's car number when you try to curry favour with Asian fans? Eight's a lucky number in China. But imagine that. We were like, going to do these previews imagine quickly. Imagine I had on my back. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's the devil's first name? Rod Devil. <laughs> six, six, six. That'd be Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's get on with it. Fremantle Geelong, uh, Optus Stadium, 2.35 local time. I'm completely out of the right the mindset Cup. to be doing this now. The Kirsten Cup. Uh, Scott and Lyon have an argument over his value. Okay, um, yeah. In who, fact, who can could, recruit the most this vanilla, could be a, boring This players? could be an amazing game where Geelong's motivation is to do it for Kirsten. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, uh, so Cats on top of the ladder, going clear. Frio still, you know, in that group of teams that are a mathematical finals chance, but we know that they won't make it. Um, Hill still yet to resume after uh, another setback with his quad. Nat Fife's carrying that sore elbow and is looking like half a mummy. Uh, Rory Lobb carrying a shoulder injury. Um, they looked pretty insipid last week, to be honest. Uh, they are at home, which obviously makes a difference. I don't think the Cats' record in Perth has been terrific of late either, but they need to keep winning to hang on to top spot. I really now feel that Fremantle are an abomination to mankind. Like, they are... They seriously, they they are playing God, Ross Lyon here. Mm. Aaron Sanderlands we know has been patched up, and he is Frankenstein's monster. That is not any more Fife's arm. That is some. That is that is a a. I don't know where they got it from. What's it called? A, a, An appendage. No, when you have a fake. Uh, not a uh, fake. Prosthetic. A, a prosthetic, not fake. You know, he's got a prosthetic arm. Yeah. Lob is bandaged up. As well, yeah. They well, actually, Nat Fife's going to wear the black bandages because yeah, he's at home. At home. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, he's wearing the home prosthetic. They are really sort of patched up, banged up, and done for the season. So Geelong easily, easily, yeah, yeah, even easily. in Perth, easily, easily, um, easily. Oh, the other thing I should have mentioned with the Cats, uh, Nakia Cockatoo, a really good chance to um, play his first game of the season. Just as you mentioned, a cockatoo. Cox is still out for a week or so, so that is one thing in Frio's favour. You did that joke, um, but it's a good one, worth doing again. Um, well, it's good that you know. I mean, that's that's good news. That well, here's one to... uh, for Geelong. Cunico uh, will be touch and go. Cunico, much like his name, is not one thing or the other. Right, yeah, no, I, I'm familiar with that one. Bob, yeah. Bob Cunis, Cunis yeah. New Zealand, yes. Yeah. One of oh, the gr- come on, we said we'd do this what? with some some um, brevity. 
<laughs> you said levity, I said brevity. Well, we've got you say one. brevity, no, I say well, levity. like Bob Kunis, we've got one but not the other. Oh, I now find his phone's ringing. It's his mortgage broker, Tom Williams. Who just called me? Bollocks. It's <laughs> fine he actually has someone on his phone called Bollocks. Yeah, he's, he, I played darts with him. Later, Bollocks. Yeah, later, Bollocks. Um, he's from Northern England. He's from, he's from Leeds. Of course he is, with a name like Bollocks. Ah, uh, Bollocks. Ah, uh, uh, Bollocks. Uh, all right, next game, Melbourne-Richmond, Saturday evening at the MCG, 7.25. Demons having the season from hell. Ha, ha, ha. And Richmond coming like a train. Very, very impressive um, disposing of Collingwood last Friday night. Uh, Tigers now ensconced in the top four. And uh, can they, in fact, I was going to say, can they parlay that into a home finals appearance? But if they stay fourth and the Cats stay on top, they've got one anyway. Yeah, they're going to finish in the top four. They're going to get the double chance and they, I think, will win the flag. Yeah, well, apparently everyone thinks they're going to win the flag now. And I'm Melbourne, still going with West Coast. Okay, well, not in this game. I'm no, tipping Richmond. Melbourne's much talked about injury list has a touch of Shakespeare about it for me. As in? Much ado about nothing. It's not as big or devastating as they keep on making out. Their, their main midfield practitioners have played for the season. The fact that Vine is always hurt or not playing or playing hurt falls on my deaf ears. Mm. Their forward line is problematic with or without Tom McDonald. And now I believe that there's no certainty that Gorn's going to play. Oh, really? He might be out for a couple of weeks, which is always what teams under siege that have poorly performed rush players at this point to the surgeon's table to make it look like they were beset by injuries. But it's falling on deaf ears here, my friend. I'm telling you, I, I don't think that they've been that hampered. And it's been a bit of a... Well, they've got, a few, they've got a few back, actually, because Melksham, Hoare and Stretch are all available, played VFL and all available yep. for senior selection. Well, they, they, that, that'll help. <clears throat> uh, Richmond, uh, Cochin obviously out for a couple of weeks, at least with that hamstring. Uh, Josh Caddy available. He the nanny. Week. Um, Toby Nankervis, I think, right to go. But the nanny. He'd have to play in the VFL. Uh, no, he's played in the VFL, I think. Uh, I think Ro- you'll find he's ready to go. Ross uh, has played VFL, so he could be a chance. And uh, here's some good news. Jack Higgins has been released from hospital after undergoing a procedure on an abnormality in the blood vessels he's had since birth. He won't play again this season. Uh, Thank you, Dr. Connolly. Richmond wins this one easily. Yes, move on. All right. Wait, At- hang on, we're tipping all the same. You're doing it again to me. You're forcing me to tip... A roughie, which I've done brilliantly all year, but I keep missing out by well, a point. Well, you're very close with Gold Coast. I tipped the right roughie, but can't get the win. Oh, well, okay. I'm just, you know, playing well, the percentages fine. I'm Slow but steady now. wins the race. All right, Adelaide, St Kilda, Adelaide Oval. The Crows hanging on to eighth spot by a thread. Very ordinary last week against Carlton. They looked flat. They looked dispirited. Uh, never looked likely to win, even though they stayed in touching distance, I feel. And your Saints under Brett Ratton are a side revived. Look, it wasn't a great standard game against Melbourne, let's be honest. But they put together a decent score. Only managed to really put it to bed in the last couple of minutes. But have kicked two decent scores, uh, playing with a bit of verve at the moment. Have some good young players coming through and some senior players playing well. Um, 
having said all that, I think pretty sure their record in Adelaide is abysmal. In fact, they've played nine times at Adelaide Oval now for zero wins, although they should have beaten Port. Uh, that was last year, wasn't it? I think the Crows... Look, it's last chance for the Crows. If they lose this, there's no way they're going to hang on to their spot in the eight. They have to win. I think they will. Look, St Kilda are like an 18-year-old girl hitchhiking when they get to Adelaide. Yes. Most likely they're going to get murdered because the fact is that they just have not won there since the 2005 That final. was a punchline, but it wasn't sort of that mirthy. <laughs> well, you know, it is the, it yes, is the yeah. serial killer case. Oh, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I, I didn't want to make a deal of it, but yeah. Kilda haven't won since 2005, I reckon. Oh, the qualifying final. It was a great win. It was a great win. Uh, but it was 14 years ago. Yeah. And so they're going to win this one? Yeah, I think they can. Why? Because I think Adelaide are in free fall. Why? Let, let's, yeah, let's be honest with you. Why? Because they've got two foot key forwards who, you know. No, the would, real reason is because you're three behind me in the tips and you need to no, make up ground. No, well, I'm not going to just waste my selection willy-nilly. As I've pointed right. out, my ones that I've got wrong, I've got very close to getting correct. Yep. And they've been big roughies. They're, oh, no, look, they're not they're not without a chance. I just No, think, I think they're a good chance. Yep. For me, a lot of Adelaide, you know what? There's nothing worse than a team that isn't playing like a team. The modern game yeah. demands a single effort by the entire playing group. Yep. And Adelaide look fractured to they me. They do look very fractured. I agree with that. Um, all right, so I'm going Adelaide. You're going St Kilda. Sunday afternoon. I'll t- can I tell you one thing about Adelaide? And yep. this is an absolute fact. What? I said that Adelaide are desperate for a proper key forward. They, you know, their, their key forwards are shameful. Well, they do have a great key forward, and it's the fact is that she plays for their AFLW team. Uh, is it? But I'm saying, you know, there's a champion key forward there. You're talking about Tex? Tex or Perkins. Aaron, yeah. No, no. Aaron Phillips is okay. a fantastic... Well, Tex Perkins has been there. Uh, well, I'd rather Tex Perkins than Tex Walker. Perkins. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and the fact is, in the olden days, as an ultra-offensive term, and this was offensive, you'd say, oh, they, they, they play like Tarzan, play like Jane, or they, they should be... Play wearing, like girls. Or play like yeah. girls. You know what? You'd hope they did. You know what? You don't have the right to say you play like girls, Walker and Jenkins. Well, dual AFLW premiers, of course. Oh, no. have, right. have a look at the AFLW team, you two. Sunday's games, Collingwood, Gold Coast at the MCG. Go. Pass. Look, Collingwood will win. Why? They've got a lot of injuries. Yes, they well, do have legitimate injuries. Dugowie and Kanor now added to the list. Oh, Kanor. Gee, they'll be soon. Uh, Roughhead in doubt. Phillips in doubt as well. No, Phillips is okay, I've heard. Oh, is he? I've been okay. given the mail. Uh, Adams, Greenwood could be back. Yep. Um, who else? Uh, Sire, uh, unavailable again. Moore won't play before the finals. Uh, Reed, no good. Stevenson, of course, suspended till the finals. Wells, forget it. Uh, Langdon season over and Dunham Beams you know season that's, effectively You over. know that Braden's here? Yeah. That's, he's actually, his family's sort of remarried and he's now got a hyphenated name. What is it? Braden, see you later because this will be his last season. I heard he's going to play for Essendon next year. Are you serious? Yeah, so I, I, I think I, I've been told. Okay. Grand final player. Play in the grand final. Be a great pick I always want to pronounce it sire and then, of course, burst into the jingle. Bye is believing at size. Uh, Collingwood? 
Collingwood for mine. Gold Coast could give them a bit of a rattle. Not the MCG. No. Collingwood for mine. Let's move on. And, and the problem is, even if they do rattle them, they don't know how to win anymore. No, it's true. Uh, Carlton West Coast at Marvel Stadium, 3.20 p.m. Great game. Arguably the match of the round, actually, isn't it? Arguably a very tough game for West Coast. Oh, yeah. That almost, you'd almost say that they would come to this game, not they're going to be favourites, but they would come here with great trepidation because they don't know what they're facing. Mm. The last time they faced Carlton, or for the last five years, they've had them by the... You know, Short by the, and curlies. It's when you play Carlton now, you don't know who you're playing. This new Carlton is a very different proposition. Mm. That's tough for West Coast. Got some injury issues, the Blues. I think Cunningham, Fisher, Cruiser, Kennedy. It might all come back. Uh, they're, they're ins, not outs. Yeah. Um, oh, Paddy Kerr's going to miss the rest of the season. Had a shoulder op. Uh, but he can take the bottle cap off a beer bottle with a bullwhip. Lovely young guy, Paddy Kerr. We share the same hairdresser, so uh, all the best to you. <laughs> Poor Paddy. We do. Annika in Glenferry Road, Malvern. Conservative. Um, no, no, they're very cutting edge. Uh, almost an exclusively female clientele. They have a handful of male clients, and who, Paddy and I are too. Who does you, the trainee? No, Anna, who owns the business. I've been I've been having my hair cut by Anna now for about twenty five okay. years. There's nothing wrong with your haircut, but I would have sworn your hair was cut by Stavros, the local hairdresser, for the last forty five years. Really? It's oh. a similar, you know, it's a very conservative communist cut. <laughs> communist cut. Um, all right, uh, I th- I I keep waiting for the Blues to have a downer. It hasn't happened, but they've been up for seven weeks in a row. It's not that, though. I just think West Coast, they looked fantastic last week against the Roos. Of course, Kennedy kicked seven. Um, they've got a few ready to come back, too. Uh, probably uh, Duggan may come back. Uh, Hutchings, who's been a big absentee for them. No Hearn last week either. And Cripps, um, he's probably still a little bit away. Um, so they're almost back to a full list. Uh, they're cranking it up. Um, I think they're going to give this flag a huge shake. Uh, and their record at Docklands is pretty fair as well, so I'm going for the Eagles. Who are you going for? Just on Duggan, I was at his, it was either his first game or his second game of football at then Etihad Stadium yep. for West Coast against St Kilda, and I was sitting directly behind his entire family. Yeah, how and was it? They were great. He played okay, and I've had a bit of a soft spot for him ever since. Oh, good. You sort of just... It really humanises the football experience. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. Who's going to win? One word <sighs> or two, if it's... <laughs> it is West Coast. Uh, the reason is because I think the game might be close at some point, but surely the fact that one team is the reigning premiers playing seriously for a top four spot, it's just, it's the stakes are higher. I just think they'll find a little bit more. Yeah. All right, so both going West Coast. And final go of round 20, and this is the game of the round. What was I thinking? Brisbane v Western Bulldogs at the Gabba, 4.40pm Sunday afternoon. What a great game. I'm tipping the upset in here in this game, and I'll tell you why. Look, Brisbane have been excellent, no question about it. And the fact that Harris Andrews comes back will make it hard for Aaron Norton. So I don't do this out of disrespect for Brisbane, but I almost do it by plotting their way to the finals, they can't, they need a, when I say they need a loss, they will lose again this year and 
now's the Might time. as well be this one. Now's the time to do it. Now, I'm not saying they will want to lose the game, but they've been up every week. They've had some great wins. They've also travelled a bit. They are a young team. Bulldogs are energetic, and they can sniff a spot in the eight. And I really like the inclusion of Riley West. I think Bulldogs are in that happy space where there's now... And Beveridge loves this. There's 28 guys going for 22 spots. Yeah. That's where he wants the team to be. And I'm tipping the upset. Yeah, no, fair enough. It's They've got a... I mean, they've been... Their form's been really solid of late. Of course, Dale Morris, sadly, uh, no more for him this season at least. And But in saying that, it's no loss because he played for 10 minutes. Yeah, Toby McLean, uh, almost back from a hammy. Josh Shackey, available after a concussion. Um, so they've got plenty of people to pick from. Yeah, I think it's a reasonable theory what you bring up. Brisbane, um, funnily enough, I reckon the sides at the top of the ladder this season, they've all been pretty good on the road. So I don't think this whole home away finals thing has necessarily the cachet that it might have in other seasons. And I've written a piece on this that you can read on Inkle today or on footyology.com.au from tomorrow morning. Um, however, Brisbane would still obviously prefer a Gabba final, which is something to aspire to. They've got to climb over Geelong and West Coast. If you knew, that. if you knew Witherden wasn't playing, would that affect your tip? Uh, not necessarily. Okay. I, I think they've got a big spread of talent those days. Yeah. Um, Look, they've had a great run with injury. I'm yeah, just, they have. I'm They're the saying, least injured team. Correct. In the I'm just saying that even two or three injuries will set the balance. You know, yeah. Very, yeah. In looking for them at to, for the rest of the season, people yeah. understand that two or three injuries could really count against them. Because on top of everything else, a lot of their players haven't had a lot of AFL exposure this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, look, I'm I'm sticking with Brisbane. Um, you know, they've absolutely exceeded my expectations. So why not keep backing them in? Fair um, enough, fair enough, so fair we're different by two. Finally, you've gone St Kilda. I've gone Adelaide. You're going the Bulldogs. I'm going. Brisbane. Let's see what eventuates and let's finish this baby off. On Footyology the final word. Alright competition time Finey. Uh, We had a good one this week but we wanted people to name their commentary dream teams either past or present and uh, of course for their trouble they will win a Footyology prize pack which consists of an Andrews Hamburgers t-shirt, an Andrews Hamburgers cap and a 100% organic cotton argan gym towel valued at $35. It's a great little prize pack, Finey. So many great entries this week. Okay, so what uh, were the pick? Greg Norman, who actually won last week, so you're not going to win again this week. He was great because he had the same character over three generations, which I thought was brilliant. Like? Harry Beitzel, Rex Hunt, and Brian Taylor, all in the box together. Oh, God. And we know that... Actually, BYO earmuffs. Well, it's interesting because Harry ended up hating Rex and Rex hated Brian, and it was just an ego war for these men. (laughs) But in reality, they were what they hated was themselves, really. (laughs) That's very deep. Well, it is deep. Very Freudian of you. Well, so so Greg observed as well. Okay. Excellent nomination. What else have you got? We got a great nomination from LaSalle. Oh, yeah, LaSalle's a good supporter of footyology. And also, LaSalle did comment. And he's right. Look, I still like Dwayne Russell. Mm. But he said, Dwayne Russell has a grating habit of making eight goals with five minutes to go seem gettable for commercial reasons. Yeah. And you are right. That is true. I've got to concede that. All right. But he's our winner this week. LaSalle. Yeah, for a very, very... Look, there were a lot of nominations. We had um, 
Did anyone nominate me for boundary rider? LaSalle. Oh. <laughs> that's why you that's why he won. This isn't why he won. Please it is. tell me why, because he nominated me. That's why he wins. Because he agreed with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now what what was good about his entry? Okay. He actually mentioned a caller that's that I hadn't considered. Alistair Nicholson's very good. Oh, yeah, he is good. He yeah, really yeah. is good. Yeah, he is. And, he, and I'm going to combine his radio and TV. Pity his test career didn't go longer. No, what? it's not him. It's a different one. No, he played for Melbourne, didn't he? Yeah, that's another one. There, there was a hockey player, Nicholson. I think, I think that's the Melbourne player. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the same That's not the commentary no. one or the cricketer. Too yeah. many of you, Alistair. Come on, get on with it. What happened to Rod Nicholson? Uh, he retired. Okay. Nico? So, uh, we're going to combine them. What happened to Jack? Jack Nicholson. Yeah. You can handle the, <laughs> you can handle the competition. Okay. Here's the winner. And it's Huddo and Alistair Nicholson, who I reckon would be a great pairing. Only yeah. because I think Alistair will be... Radio or TV? A combination. Okay. On, in special comments, he's got Matthew Richardson. He, you, LaSalle, you're just on the ball, brother. And he really liked David Schwartz, not because he was brilliant, because he reminded him of when him and his brother were completely over the top as kids and used to do commentary in the car. So it, it's great. The childlike quality of Ox has resonated with LaSalle remembering when he was a kid. I, I must admit, I used to, when I, Sunday after I did Sunday preview on SEN, Ox would be commentating and I'd jump in the car and drive home. They'd start calling the game and I'd just be absolutely pissing myself yeah, in the I, car. I mean, it, it, look, one thing about Ox is he's self-deprecating. I like him. I love him as a bloke. Self-deprecating. And fun. And it, I listened to him the other day. Listen to this moment that he had. He was talking about odd sports. And he goes, but Campbell Brown played an odd game. Didn't he represent Australia in Quidditch? <laughs> wait, wait. And, and no, it wasn't that. And they got an SMS. He goes, oh, no, no. Somebody just pointed out it was Kabaddi. And I'm pretty sure he was the goalkeeper. The problem is, Ox, in Kabaddi, there's no ball. It's it's a game of Tiggy. <laughs> so, first he said it was Quidditch, then he was goalkeeper in a sport that doesn't have a ball. I think I'd rather play Quidditch. Um, All right, so... So, LaSalle's our winner. Okay, so run through the commentary team then. Is Huddo and Al Nicholson. Yep. Richo and Ox. Yep. And on the boundary... Brrrr, Rowan Cannoli. Oh, thanks, why? LaSalle. Yeah, Why? Well, but I liked it because you've, because I think you're a very um, a, a, a respected and you've got a you've got a depth of knowledge that I don't like. I don't like medicos on the boundary at all. Yeah, and I don't like ex players because they tend to protect players and not not tell the true story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, with a big hit or something. Yeah. So I like somebody who's a Juno, and I can't think of a more um, genuine choice than yourself. Now. The other element that's also interesting is it puts you near a defibrillator, which is probably where you should be on a footy ground given your heart condition. <laughs> ah, fair enough. All right, well done, LaSalle. Um, LaSalle, could you please email your address and T-shirt size to info at footyology.com.au. Great win. And we'll get our prize department on the case. Now, what's the competition oh, this for this week? this is one of my favourites. Now, hopefully people understand this. I know you do. You don't. You can send in a picture, by all means, but also a description. What is your favourite ever single football card? People go, what do you mean? Single? But footy card collectors will know that certain 
cards, images, just stick in their memory. The calorie bork. Yes. The, the famed serious handball of a Francis Burke. Yeah. And there are many odd football cards, some with the wrong names on it. Do you know in Scanlon's entire time of making footy cards, they only made one football card of a player who'd never played a senior game? Who was it? He was a Richmond player called Tullock. Okay. And you know how they did footy cards? I thought it was a, they have a picture of a horse. No, he was from South Australia, but he never played a senior game. Do you know how they did footy cards? They would come just before the first game of the season yeah. or the week before that yeah. with an envelope with $20 in it and go to the better players and offer them $20 to take their photo. Now, sometimes the cameramen who went there, especially to the lower clubs, had no idea who the better players were. So, you know, for many years... Andrew Cross and Peter Keel and you know, odd choices. There were a few weird ones, yeah. yeah. Odd choices. And the $20 was gleefully pocketed. Some were done with thought. Like, they would literally in one year send the artistic guy to one club. You get the handball and the balk. And in the same year, every North player was just pictured in front of this sort of fake um, vinyl wooden wood grain backing. Yeah, just all stand there. I'll take your photos. That would have been the social club. Yeah, I'm saying, but that just would have been somebody want to get out there in three minutes. Yeah. Ken Montgomery, just stand there. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good play, Ken. So your favourite single footy card. All right. Uh, visual image, obviously. But with a description why that was your favourite card. Okay, got that. Uh, any clarification, uh, send them to us. No, just send us your footy cards and an explanation why they're your favourites. Like something like Hayden McCall of 1972 because there's never been a bluer sky above the Lakeside Oval. Wow, that is a good get. No memory of him whatsoever. How many senior games? Oh, 40-odd. But Hayden McAuliffe. McAuliffe for yeah. South Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And you know what position he was, which made that card even better? No. Utility. Oh, utility. Remember they just, when yeah. they just weren't a lot of them sure? said, yeah. Utility. Yeah. Some were rucks, some were followers. Yeah. We had, uh, when I was a sub-editor on The Age, we used to have a joke about that, because someone one day filed a story calling someone a utility Come stopper. <laughs> As well, in utility, job, I come stopper. I, I guess. I, <laughs> so I guess utility, I, come stopper. <laughs> I guess. I guess <laughs> you know, uh, being, being on the doll. Uh, we're, we're trending to blue. Yeah. I shouldn't have gone with that. Um, anyway, I did. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, it's been an enjoyable episode today. We've informed, we've laughed, we've, uh, we've danced. Uh, speaking of <laughs> dancing, you don't dance to these guys. We're going to leave you with some interesting music today. Why? Well, here's a very tenuous connection. Earlier in the show, Finey said something about we can't rush to judgment. No, I didn't. I said I think I might have a touch of thrush. No, you didn't. You definitely said the word rush, which made me think of one of my favourite bands, Rush. Canadian three-piece prog rock in stages. Sorry? Other footy connection? Uh, oh, of course, uh, the greatest drummer in the history of the world, Neil Peart. Uh, finally, while I was bringing this up, uh, of course, his namesake, Neil Pert, yeah. uh, played How for... How would you describe him? As Richmond Collingwood and Footscray? Uh, I'd describe him as a utility cum stopper. No, <laughs> no he was no. A, a key defender. Yeah, he would be described as Journeyman? a... Journeyman? Yeah, a bulwark. Yeah. He wasn't quick. He was sort of a... No, a, no. A, Sturdy, sturdy key defender. Anyway, we digress. Neil Peart, greatest drummer in the world. Getty Lee, in my view, greatest bass player in the world. Also plays keyboards and sings. Giddy. Some would say screeches. Alex Lifeson, one of the greatest guitarists in the world. Even people that don't like Rush would concede they are musical uh, 
maestros of their instruments. Uh, they've been, or they gave it away recently, but they were together for more than 40 years. I was fortunate enough to see them live in Canada about 10 years ago. When you said a Canadian band, I was so excited. Uh, you thought it was going to be Alexis on Fire, The Pursuit of Happiness, The Cancer Bats? No. Um, Brian Adams? No. <laughs> oh, come on. What? Oh, I've got to remember, they had one hit. I've got it. Lover Boy. <laughs> I've got to admit. You are a wealth of knowledge of music I hate. No, it just came to me. It was Turn Me Loose. You know, that's a Turn Me Loose. Why don't you turn me loose? I've got to do it my way. Didn't you find them? I want to fly. Didn't you find them despicable? Uh, They would have. It was pretty ordinary. It was a big hit, though. It was 1981. It plagued. It was everywhere. You know what else was big in 1981? I don't know why I thought of it. Billy Squire, The Stroke. Remember that? Yeah. Everybody. Have you heard? Yeah. If you're in the game, but then stroke cool. the word. That was a bit... Stroke me, stroke yeah. me. Yeah, that was cool. That had a touch of the cools about it. Not not turned me loose right. by Loverboy. Like, yeah, no, I uh, wasn't a huge fan and of Loverboy. And, and they were suitably mulleted, by the way. Yes. Anyway, there, there are some great Canadian bands, and I'm a fan of several of them, but uh, these guys are the kings of Canadian rock uh, for over four decades. Rush. May, may I say, if Celine Dion got run over by a steamroller, I wouldn't miss a beat. No, nah, nor me. Um, all right, so what we're going to do here is... They have an incredible body of work. They were known earlier on in their career for their very long songs. Uh, in fact, one song, Hemispheres, went for about 22 minutes. Uh, Twenty-one twelve, which was a huge album, went for a whole side as well, that one song. This is an instrumental called La Villa Strangiato. I defy anyone to produce an instrumental of this length, of this virtuosity. We're just going to play the last few minutes. If this appeals to you, I urge you strongly to check out uh, Rush, particularly their early stuff. It is incredible music. And uh, that was a very, very tenuous connection, but uh, it enables us to get a bit of Rush on this podcast. you got one more. Yeah, well, probably my favourite Canadian duo. Yeah. Uh Terence and Phil. Yeah, Terence and Philip from South Park, yes. Queefing, of yes, course. Yes, of course, fart gags. You can't yes. beat them. Thanks for listening, everyone. Here's Rush La Villa Strangiato over the last few minutes. We'll see you Sunday evening. Sunday <laughs> evening.